0: Thank you for listening in on the everything brought to light podcast my name is ethan and this is where we talk about guts crime and true crime yes i'm aware of how corny that was if you are driving i hope you make it to your destination safely and please do not participate in this upcoming exercise for those of you at home under a blanket cleaning your countertops or in the gym or honestly anywhere let's close our eyes take a deep breath in Release, and remember that everything is okay. True crime can definitely contribute to paranoia, and I hope that this mini breathing exercise has helped ease the tension because trust me, this story is crazy. And not crazy like Sherry Papini, who faked her kidnapping for attention, but crazy in the sense that this story threw me down many rabbit holes. Just when I thought I had hit rock bottom, it threw me down another one. Today, we will be talking about the new and recent Kenya Starvation cult. And when I say recent, I mean this story is still going on as I am writing the script and telling the story. We will be taking a dive into this cult and we'll be exploring all the nooks and crannies, so by the end of this episode, you will be informed of everything you need to know. Also, this is my first episode. If you liked this episode, I encourage you to give it a rating, hopefully positive. It's a free way to support, but it helps a lot. Enough plugging, let's jump right in. I know that everyone has an idea of a cult, but for those of you who don't know, a cult is a system either around religion, or a specific figure, or honestly both. The leader of a cult is almost always a charismatic, unaccountable individual. I don't know about you, but a couple years ago I realized I accidentally got myself stuck in a cult. Now the story is far too complex and personal to share, but needless to say, I was able to safely and successfully get out of it after a few months. I feel that we have misconstrued what a cult actually is. We think, oh, that class we had in school was totally a cult, but in all reality it was just an odd group of people. Here are some signs of a cult. Number 1. Absolute authoritarianism without meaningful accountability. number 2. No tolerance for questions. Number three, no disclosure of financial income. Number four, encouragement to give your last dollar to support the religious movement. Number five, unreasonable fear about the outside world. Number six, followers feel they can never be good enough. And number seven, the group leader is always right, So on and so on. These are only some of the hundreds of examples of what a cult is. With all of these in mind, let's be mindful to those who have since left a cult or are still currently in one. Personally, when I was in the cult that I was in, I felt as if the outside world was sinful and the true place was the movement I was a part of. But once I was informed on the qualities of a cult, it felt as if a veil was lifted off of my eyes and I could finally see for what it truly was. My point is, these victims of the Kenya starvation cult did not know any difference and for some of them they were raised in this religious group some people went as far as not even wanting to be rescued now that we have briefly covered the surface of the iceberg we call cults let's get into a deeper look at the Kenya starvation cult. So, I've been referring to the people as the Kenya starvation cult, and believe it or not, that is not actually their name. I've seen countless news articles, and almost all of them refer to them by that name, but for all cults, they had a point in time when followers and nearby citizens viewed them differently. They were a part of the Good News International Ministries Church, now known as what locals call the Shakahola cult. It was founded in 2003 by Pastor Paul McKenzie and his second wife. The new religious movement was based in Shakahola, Kilafai County in Kenya, located in East Africa let's briefly talk about who Pastor Paul McKinsey was before he founded the church. According to several reports, Paul was born on August 1st, 1972 in Tennessee, United States of America, where he attended the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and eventually moved to Kenya as that was where his heritage is from. Though other sources state that he was born in Texas, and some even say that he was born in Kenya. To be clear, I'm not exactly sure where he was born, and apparently neither do the articles on the internet. To prevent misinformation, I will just say he was born in either three of those areas, but ultimately, where he was born is not important. He was a part of a pretty normal family from an outside perspective. Though, if you are familiar with my one-minute crime TikTok series, I always say you never know what happens behind closed doors, and from our countless cases that end up shocking myself as much as you all, that saying still remains to be the truest thing I have ever said. The McKenzie family had a total of 10 kids where Paul's mother was a housewife. According to reports, his family was religious and believed it was the husband's duty to provide financially for the family and it was the wife's duty to stay home, care for the kids, cook and clean. Whether or not he went to college, it does appear he did gain some type of education, but mainly he was an insignificant fly on the wall. He was a taxi driver from 1997 to 2003 and lived an ordinary life up until that year. One day, he received a vision of starting a new church to serve God and quickly found his new supernatural ability, which we'll get into shortly. As any church, it started out as a small group of people, mostly consisting of friends and family of Paul and his second wife, Joyce. There is very little knowledge known about Joyce, but here's what we know. She had started her church with her husband Paul and had four children with him. She remained a pretty private person and did not go on stage as it was believed women had no place behind the pulpit. Members of the church claimed that it was evident she remained extremely religious and devout to her husband's teachings, which from what he taught, that was pretty important because the wife's duty was to submit to her husband. It is unclear as to what her cause was, but she passed away in early 2018 and Paul got remarried to his now third wife. A little bit about the location of the church, the country of Kenya is profoundly religious with 85% of the population identifying as Christian so the once small group of friends and family was bound to grow. When the church began to prosper and increase its attendance and tithes, he moved to Mingingo Village in Malindi. Some churches claim that they can heal the sick, while others claim that they can dissolve your stress. But Pastor McKenzie claimed he had a supernatural ability where he personally communicated with God. Whoa. When word broke out about this man that had his ear in tune with the one true God, people swarmed his church. Majority of the first-time guests only attended due to the curiosity as to who this Paul McKenzie guy they never heard of was, though his charismatic teachings captivated them and gave the majority a reason to stay and become devout members of the movement. In 2016, according to unconfirmed reports, a member of the group sold their property on the island of Lamu to McKinsey for 20 million kush, or Kenya shillings, it's the currency that they use. And they gave the money to Pastor McKinsey, which is about 150,000 US dollars. The preacher allegedly uses money to purchase property in the cities of Mombasa and Malindi, as well as two vehicles, and to fund a television station to broadcast his message. This move by certain followers acted as a catalyst for other members to follow suit, selling their properties and giving them money to the church. I don't know about you, but personally, if there is ever a trend of selling your property and giving all your money that you received from that cell to someone that's higher than you. I don't think I would ever follow suit of that trend. Why would we give every last dollar to someone who is just going to spend it on something else? Every religion or church has its thing that gives people a reason to keep attending. Like I said before, some claim to heal the sick while others dissolve your stress. But there's also the image of hell and the image of heaven. Or for Pastor Paul, he gave the image of the impending apocalypse because he was able to speak, quote, directly to God. He knew the end was near, but didn't disclose to his members exactly how near contemporary Christians in America might refer to this as the rapture. It was later found that Good News International's message was influenced by the end-time message of William Bronham, who is the informal global network of churches that emerged from oneness Pentecostalism. The teachings were so heavily used that when investigators were going through Paul's commune, they found several uncovered booklets of Bronham's teachings. To be clear, William Bronham's book about the end times does not suggest people start themselves to secure a spot in heaven. He only talks about how people should prepare themselves and their family for the upcoming end of the world. As most cult leaders, they like to pick and choose what they want to believe and most definitely not opposed to adding some beliefs of their own. A lot of Paul's teachings did not appear to come from the Bible or Bronham's End Times book. If I had to guess, they came straight out of his own mouth. If you are inclined to dive deeper into Paul's teachings and want to hear his message from himself, He has a youtube channel called end times breaking dash mckenzie where he has over 650 videos and 8,000 subscribers i hope the majority of his subscribers are from people who were interested in this cult after everything unfolded but honestly i am not going to hold my breath his videos contain sermons promoting serpent seed teachings which is the idea that the serpent in the book of genesis that manipulated eve into eating the apple thus causing the fall of humanity impregnated Eve, and that is where she gave birth to Cain, who was of a different race. Essentially, this belief is extremely racist and comes from a long white supremacist line of Christian theology, claiming that the end result of the fall of humanity was different ethnicities. You guys can't see it, but I am rolling my eyes so far in the back of my head I can see my brain right now. Like where do people even come up with these type of stories or interpretations of the bible? Going back on topic, I should add that the area of Kenya that Paul started the church was extremely uneducated. Because of this, Paul was able to successfully manipulate hundreds if not thousands of people to believe his fear-inducing doctrine. His teachings mainly emphasized on end-time doomsday warnings. His role in the church was to educate his followers and prepare them for the inescapable end of the world. Talking about all of this just gives me a flashback to 2012 when everyone believed that the world was going to end. And then shortly before 2012 they came out with that movie, and when I was a kid, I was like, okay. Here we go, that just like nailed the nail into the board, it's going to happen, the end of the world is about to ensue. And then on December 22nd, the day after the end of the world, and we were still here, I was like, oh. Okay, I guess it didn't happen. (laughs) But I remember on 2012, the power actually went out, which freaked me out as a kid. Looking more into Pastor Paul's teachings, he also told his followers that the world outside from the church was evil and you should never venture out, no exceptions. Medical services, education, food, sports, music, basically anything in the world was deemed as uselessness of life. That it was only in existence to be a stumbling block for followers of the movement, despite the good News International Church branching off from the Catholic denomination, he denounced the Catholic Church, claiming that they were tools of Satan. He also informed his followers that the United States and the United Nations were made by the devil himself and they should never step foot on those lands. His main goal was to cut off his followers from the outside world and during the 20 years of the church, he was able to continue to build his followers trust and grow his congregation. I know a lot of these things seem like how could someone believe a man telling them not to go to the United States because the devil made it or that the Catholic Church were from the tools of Satan, but you guys need to remember that this was going on for 20 years and after 20 years you can slowly add in those things and change the mind of those people who are listening to your message his teachings began to mold and become more extreme the more trust he received the more confident he became Though, that didn't stop law enforcement from getting in the way of Pastor McKenzie's move of God. In 2017, Paul and his second wife Joyce were charged with promoting radicalization as well as denying children access to healthcare and education. They were also charged for running an unauthorized school and television station, but later declared innocent and all charges were dropped. Eye roll. I have no idea why these charges were dropped as the evidence was very clear and had several red flags. The only good thing that came from these charges is they were the reason the television station had to be shut down that following year. So I guess we can somewhat celebrate, but just wait till you hear more. A lot of these restrictions he forced upon his followers were undoubtedly messed up, but not necessarily criminal in the eyes of the law. The one thing I will say is criminal and destroyed several of the families was the no healthcare rule as they believed that doctors were nothing but the devil in sheep's clothing. Paul preached so heavily on how evil doctors were that members of the movement were terrified of receiving any form of help from a professional. Keep that little bit of information in your mind for the future information I'm going to be telling you. Several children died as a result of the lack of healthcare, and in 2017, government authorities rescued 93 children from Paul McKenzie's church, warning your skin's about to boil with what I'm about to tell you. The church was still able to run despite authorities having ground to shut the entire thing down. Some articles state that they think because the movement was growing as much as it was, they were terrified of the backlash they might receive if they forced a church to close. Because I mean, who wants to be responsible for shutting down a church that has a pastor who claims he can hear from God? In 2018, Paul was criticized by community leaders and other activists for inciting children to drop out of school without parental consent. Pastor McKenzie was acquitted in one of two criminal cases related to these charges on October 29th, 2000 while the other was dropped. The last time until as of recently Paul was charged was in 2019 when he was arrested for inciting fear and false information into the public against the registration for the Huduma Namba which was a unique personal identification number randomly assigned to every citizen at birth. The Huduma card makes it easy for individuals to access various government services, as well as use it as a travel document within the East African region. Essentially, this is equivalent to a social security number that is given to people that live in the United States. Paul linked this identification number to the Mark of the Beast. And if you don't know what the mark is, it is believed to be given to you by the devil, and if you receive this mark, you will go to hell, not heaven. No ifs, ands, or buts. He was also accused of brainwashing and abducting children to join his group which at this point honestly does not shock me and honestly what i am reading it sounds like he mainly targeted children because those were the most impressionable and more likely to join his church he did have a lot of adults in his church but they're not really mentioned in the research or sources that i looked up very curious as to what the percentage was of adults and children in the church. It was after this incident that he closed his church in Magingo and moved to the remote location of Shakahola. I assume that law enforcement getting in the way yet again was a straw that broke the camel's back. Remember when I said God hadn't yet told Paul when the end of the world was? media reports alleged that during a normal church service paul received a bone-chilling word from god when he heard the word he paused and slowly brought the microphone to his mouth with sweat dripping down his forehead onto the floor he predicted april 15 2023 was the day god told him the world was going to cease to exist For 20 years, the church had been preparing for the end times and they were finally given a date. The members of the congregation were shocked at how close the apocalypse was and that encouraged them more and more to draw everyone they know into the church to make an attempt to save their loved ones from their impending doom. After he declared that God had told him the true date of the end of the world, the congregation seemed to go radio silent. No further arrests, no new news articles. But most importantly, those who knew their family members attended the church heard nothing from their loved ones. One man told reporters that his brother had taken his three sons aged 21, 17, and 14 into the church, and he still has not seen them to this day. The silence was broken in the early weeks of April 2023, and now is where I issue a trigger warning, because it is about to get really really dark. It is unknown to the exact number of members, but having hundreds of followers, they were bound to have friends and family outside of the cult. With everyone suddenly going silent and disappearing into thin air, people began to worry about their loved ones. It was not long until a worried father contacted police claiming his wife and daughter left Narambi to join Paul McKenzie's remote commune in Cliffy County and had yet to return to contact him. I did some researching and their town from where the family lived is almost a 9 hour drive to the commune. Which really goes to show how widespread this movement became. It is unclear as to why the husband stayed behind, being that most families all went together. Maybe he didn't believe, or he had work, but regardless, going to the police station was only the beginning of the horrors to come. Thankfully, police did not brush him off as we have seen in previous cases where they assume, oh, your wife and daughter must have run off, yada, 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 we're not going to do anything until it's too late, and then we'll give you a little thoughts and prayers, we're sorry card, but thankfully, police were able to actually take this case seriously, and they even traveled down to the commune. Investigators made their way down to the commune to see what was going on as they had a familiar understanding about the religious movement. Upon arrival, they immediately began to feel sick to their stomach. Something was not adding up. To give an example, have you ever been in a room after an extremely heated argument and you can practically cut the tension in the air with a knife? Well, that's exactly what these officers felt, except it was a feeling of something really bad is happening here. Walking onto the plot, they immediately noticed disturbed piles of dirt that looked like a man had dug shallow graves with no markings. Nearby laid several severely malnourished people hanging on by a thread. These officers were completely shocked as to what was happening. I mean, this organization or church had been around for 20 years, why starve everyone now? As soon as they discovered these starving members, they called in an ambulance. They brought back 15 people, basically as much as they could fit in one trip. What is weird is several of those members were putting up a fight as they did not want to go to the hospital. For someone who is extremely weak and malnourished to find energy to fight, There must be something more sinister going on. The one question police kept asking the followers was, what is going on? And finally, someone chimed in. The members claimed to police that they had been ordered to starve themselves so they could have the opportunity to, quote, meet Jesus. Shocked by what they just said, the police hurried to the hospital. Unfortunately, by the time they got there, four of the members had passed away due to starvation, and the other 11 members were in serious condition. The entire idea of starvation is interesting because books in the Bible talk about fasting. It is believed that Pastor Paul used verses from the Bible, such as Matthew six sixteen through 18 where it says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I feel you have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you." End quote for the Bible verse. For those of you who are currently religious or familiar with the Bible's teachings, you would know that fasting can count as restricting your body, Body of food temporarily it can also be interpreted like fasting your phone for a day or fasting true crime and if you've watched my tiktoks in one sitting i suggest you fast true crime for a bit <laughs> It is unclear as to how Pastor Paul was able to manipulate the minds of these individuals, but at the same time, it makes sense. Here is this guy who claims God is talking to him. He goes into a poor, uneducated community and promises that if they follow him, they will be blessed physically and financially, essentially giving people hope of an escape for their difficult lives. It just makes sense. One of the victims stated that Paul told his followers, quote, The fast would count only if they gathered together and offered them his farm as a fasting venue. They were not to mingle with anyone from the outside world if they wanted to go to heaven and were to destroy all documents given by the government including national IDs and birth certificates. Almost all of the bodies found did not have any form of ID, which made it even harder to account for who is missing and who is deceased. Even to the present day, there are families that have no idea if their loved ones are still alive. On May 25th, a local news station noted, The exact number of people who perished in the massacre might never be known following reports that there are instances where bodies were plunged into random deep pit latrines scattered in the expansive Shakama Ranch where the cult leader Paul McKenzie led an unknown number of his followers, end quote. For the next three weeks after discovering the shallow graves, police searched the entire property. Now, let me paint a picture of this commune. It was established on 800 acres of land and not just an empty plot of grass, but there were several hills and a lot of trees causing a delay, especially considering the fact that a a lot of them could travel with a vehicle, but being that it was super hilly and there was trees everywhere, a vehicle could not always fit through. Though people were almost always in a group and not by themselves, it was really not that easy to make sure they had rescued everyone. As the days went on, the air grew thicker. What was just a handful of bodies buried in a shallow grave then became 50 people Then 100, and that was simply just the beginning. The story gets darker as the majority of the bodies recovered from the graves were mostly children. Children are more likely to pass away quicker than a full grown adult because their body requires more nutrition and burns through calories faster. When police discovered one of the graves, they were able to connect the dots and determine that the five bodies recovered were members of the same family. Another grave had 12 children in it. The people burying the bodies were also extremely malnourished and investigators noticed that the. more time that had gone by the more they found bodies that had not been buried. Let's talk about the whole burial process. For me, I was looking for a reason as to why they even bothered to bury the bodies, considering the last remaining people would not have the chance to get buried. People in America bury the deceased as a way to put the body to rest and allow the individuals, friends, and family the chance to properly grieve, but being that the shallow graves were not marked and for some their entire family was buried together, it just doesn't make sense to me. I did read that some people speculate they buried the bodies to combat the smell of decay but honestly this is where i hope you can help me out i don't know why this stumped me the way that this did but something just feels off So please email me, crimebroughttolight at gmail.com, if you know a potential or exact reason as to why they buried him, just let me know. Also, I almost forgot, not only did they bury people who had passed away from starvation, but they also buried a man who remained alive for three days underground, until he was rescued. He was taken to the hospital for treatment, and from what I read, I believe he did survive. After discovering hundreds of bodies, police are like, this is going downhill fast, and we need some reinforcements. They began requesting assistance from other jurisdictions to help with the efforts at the commune. When more people arrived to help, the members of the cult began to attempt to stop the rescuers. The members continued to fast and even would go as far as hiding, but during this, there were members who had a gut feeling that what they were doing was wrong. Paul had apparently hired criminals armed with all sorts of weapons to kill anyone who changed their minds about fasting and attempted to leave. These criminals would also kill people who took too long to die. I know what you are probably thinking right now, where the heck is Paul McKenzie? Like this entire time I was reading about the search team finding countless bodies, I was waiting to read that they either found his body or that he was found alive. But with there being 800 acres of land, that man was hiding. Police even began to speculate that Paul had already fled the area after getting wind of search teams retrieving the bodies. But to everyone's surprise, on May 7th, 2023, Paul McKinsey, his third wife Rhonda, and 16 other members were arrested. Now, Paul did request bail, which literally makes me so mad, but thankfully he was almost immediately declined on may 10th of that same year investigators informed the press that a total of 133 deaths had been accounted for with the majority of them being children and there were a total of 410 people missing 227 of those missing were minors the whole idea of the criminals picking off those who were taking too long to pass away is also extremely challenging for me to wrap my head around but for most cults i guess they don't have to make sense according to reports not all deaths were by starvation one investigator stated quote there were other methods used including hurting them just by physical and preliminary observations end quote they conducted over 100 autopsies in the first few weeks and saw that most victims died from starvation while others passed away from strangulation suffocation and blunt trauma eventually the search teams were forced to stop digging for the bodies as the Melindi sub county hospitals morgue was running out of space to store the bodies and 90 autopsies Autopsies? Autopsies? I can't say that. And 90 autopsies were currently being done all at the same time. And to make it even harder for the search teams, on April 28th, it started to rain. A lot. The rain caused the rescuers to have a few days of delay, being that they weren't able to get out on the field and search for people. From May 10th to June 15th, just a little over a month, the death count jumped to 339 people, and the number of missing went up to 613. Based on how many were reported missing, the number of people rescued was intended to be 2-300, to but by this time only 95 were successfully saved. And even then, with those being extremely malnourished, their chances of survival was extremely low. When news about the cult broke out, everyone began scratching their heads thinking, when was the last time I spoke to them? For some, they realized their loved ones were safe, while others, they quickly realized their family had been impacted as well. As of June 14th, a total of 36 people had been arrested and charged with murder and terrorism related offenses. It is not for sure, but I assume the people arrested were those who worked close beside Paul and could have been those that picked off members who attempted to leave. I should also let you guys know that in Kenya, attempting to unalive yourself is legal, so some of those members were arrested for doing such. Starving yourself is also seen as attempting to unalive yourself. Me personally, I don't think those who were starving themselves should have been arrested as those members were brainwashed by Pastor Paul and honestly, they didn't know any better. If someone had stepped in when paul was charged in 2017 or 2019 this entire massacre could have been prevented i will say the chairperson of the kenya national commissions on human rights rosalino dead criticized the unattempted unaliving charges saying quote charging these survivors with attempted unaliving is inappropriate and will re-traumatize the survivors at a time when they most desperately require empathy intense psychosocial assistance rehabilitation and community support I honestly could have not said it better myself. I 100% agree with Rosaline. And just a little heads up, I do have to censor the S-word and say unaliving just so I don't get demonetized and meet within the community guidelines. Now let's get into the present day. On July 3rd, Paul's third wife was released on a personal bond that is equivalent to 711 United States dollars. She was released because the state claimed to have failed in proving a reason as to why she should have been held with the other accused people. And all I can say on that note is I wasn't there. I do not know how involved or not involved she was, so I will just zip my lips with my opinion especially because we have seen several times where Paul made it evident that a woman is not allowed to speak and she should only fully submit to her husband. In terms of the leader himself, Paul McKenzie is to remain in custody for another 30 days. Now, don't freak out like I did at first. I am sure he will spend longer than 30 days in jail. I honestly would be surprised if he didn't receive life in prison. I also want to emphasize how difficult it was to obtain this information. I really wanted to make sure that what I've told you all was right. I only say this because because some of the police claimed that bodies recovered were missing organs and they were demonic type symbols on them, but on May 10th, people who were participating in on the searches and conducting the investigation claimed that these police officers were spreading unnecessary and false rumors to feed the news outlets and give them clicks that they so desperately wanted. One of the rescuers stated, and I quote, The people who have facts are those on the ground, not those in offices, end quote. Talk about a clapback. In all seriousness, I hope you all feel that you are more informed on the situation. Currently, there is a lot of he said, she said going on, so it is important to look into multiple sources and not just one. My heart goes out to everyone involved in this massacre. Please remember to be gentle when it comes to this topic as we are talking about people's moms, dads, kids, and the list goes on. This is where I'm supposed to say, this is the end of the story but unfortunately, I fear that this cult is only the beginning of a long line of pain and suffering. A few days after Paul McKenzie was arrested, a second pastor, Ezekiel Odero, also based in Malindi, was arrested. Authorities said he was the pastor of New Life Prayer Center and Church in Califi County. Apparently, he also began enlivening his followers, but majority of the deaths were recorded between 2022 and 2023, which Paul's was mainly in 2023. It appears police had a better grasp on Ezekiel's congregation because over 103 followers were evacuated from the church and all are expected to give statements in weeks to come what is bone-chilling is that police are still not able to confirm whether the two groups were even linked I don't know about you all but I can only imagine if these two groups are not linked What more is about to ensue? I really hope you guys had a great time listening to my first ever long podcast, and I want to take a brief moment to let you all know my intentions for the podcast as a whole. To be transparent with you all, I've had to take a leap of faith and quit my full-time job to pursue this podcast and give you guys 100%. I feel that every case I talk about deserves me to give it my all when it comes to researching and getting the information right. And as you guys know, it's very difficult for me to research multiple cases in a week when I'm working a full time job. As someone who is terrified of going over budget or having a negative income, I'm really nervous about taking this jump, but I ultimately couldn't have done it without your support. So, truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening to me talk about the story, and I hope the remainder of your day or night is kind to you. Closing out, let's take a deep breath in and exhale. And remember that everything in this current moment is okay. A free way to support me is by rating this episode or my podcast as a whole or for you YouTube folks, feel free to like this video and please if you have a case you want me to dive headfirst into, email me at, at gmail.com. For more true crime content, follow me on Instagram, everything brought to light with two T's at the end. When it comes to posting, I post every other Sunday as of right now. So without further ado, I will see you guys next next Sunday. Stay safe.